You're listening to the Carry On Friends Podcast, Episode 4. Welcome to the Carry On Friends Podcast, where you'll be inspired and empowered to do amazing things in your personal lives, career, business, and community. With your host, Carrie Ann Reed Brown. Hello, friends. Welcome again to another episode of the Carry On Friends Podcast. This is Episode 4. In this episode, I will be talking to my very first guest of the show and of the Carry On Friends interview series. In the last episode, I spoke about launching the Carry On Friends um, interview series. And the goal of the interview series was to take you behind the scenes into the lives and the mindset of successful professional and entrepreneurial men and women particularly those who aren't profiled very often, but are really doing great things in their business, careers, and communities. My first guest for the interview series is Andrew Clark of Brata Productions, a performing arts company. And there was a written portion of the interview that's on the blog. You could check that out, and I will have that information in the show notes. But before we get into the main feature, I want to tell you that we had a little bit of quality issues. It's a little different than the usual podcast. And that's because we had a few technical glitches. And in an effort to save Andrew and his time, because he's doing rehearsal for his upcoming production, we had to improvise. We really had great content. We had a really great conversation. Andrew spoke about his story, about taking the leap. And I hope that you enjoy this episode, despite the differences in sound quality. All right. So check out my interview with Andrew of Brata Productions. So welcome, everyone, to the Carry On Friends podcast. As promised, this is the audio version or the audio supplement to the Carry On Friends interview series. And my first guest is Andrew Clark of Blata Productions. And I'm so very happy to have Andrew with us. Andrew, welcome. Uh, Thank you. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. So we're very excited about you starting Blata Productions, and we want to learn more about how you got from got from starting or having this idea to where you are. Just give us a little bit more background about the time frame and how long it took from you having this idea, starting the company to where it is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Brata is now six years old. We're celebrating our sixth anniversary, and, I, and I've been living in New York uh, for six years. So I pretty much started Brata as soon as I got here, but the idea was was in my mind. It was it was it, there was a yearning. It was in my gut, my belly, for about three years before that. I was living in Florida, you know, and working uh, a regular mm-hmm. nine to five. I had a nice corporate job, making you know a few thousand dollars a month. I drove out a company car. You know, I was I was wow. doing well. I was doing well, and there was wow. just there was just not. The, the completeness that I needed to feel. It didn't exist, even with all the money I was making at such a young age. Um, wow. And so I decided I wanted to perform. Um, and I also wanted to start a folk singing group for some reason. And I, I'd never done that before. I'd never led a folk ensemble. I'd never been a musical director. I had no wow. formal musical experience. and I, I, But I knew I wanted to start that. Um, and it wasn't going to happen in Florida for some reason. So I, I packed up my car, um, everything in my car, and I drove by myself to New York over a couple of days. Um, and 
I remember the very first production I was a part of. After the run had ended, I thought to myself, yep, I am now more convinced why I need to start my own company because this is definitely not the sort of work I want to be associated with. I don't think Caribbean theater is this thing that they're presenting, which was, you know, so much less than I'd come from in Jamaica. You know, when we produce shows, it's excellent scripts, it's wonderful sets, you know, the directing is strong, the acting, the writing, all the production elements are there. In this particular Caribbean production, it wasn't, and I would learn in the coming months that it was kind of par for the course. You know, a lot of persons here in the diaspora quite often and kind of just slap dash a little thing and, and put that out as Caribbean theater, and that doesn't represent me. You know, that's not what I went right. to school and trained for, for years, you know, to come and do a little a little something, do a little thing and make people laugh. So, right, you know, right. that really spurred the need to start Brata, and I, I, um, I quit my job. I was working, when I moved to New York, I was working in retail, and I quit my job and just said, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to hustle. I'm going to hustle. In in addition to, you know, starting my company, I'm going to go out as a performer and try to get jobs, you know, be it singing jobs or, or MC gigs, whatever I could get my hand on, you know, until my, my company was off the ground. Um, and now six years later, thankfully, we've weathered the storm and, and we're still here. So, you know, it, it, it really wasn't an... It certainly wasn't an overnight thing, nice but, thing. you know, I, I felt I needed to take the jump because I think as as entrepreneurs sometimes the the big worry is what what if you know they're right we're thinking about the what next and how we go and pay the bill and how we go because there's there's not that security that a a, a corporate job you know assures but I tell you man it's been it's been quite a journey but it's been so rewarding for me as I said you know in the in the interview before because I, I wouldn't trade it for anything I really wouldn't you know, Andrew, in that one answer, I took like a whole bunch of notes because this, your one answer, we could have like a very extended podcast because you talked about the fire in your belly, taking that mm-hmm. leap of faith, being a sidepreneur because, or, because that's what everyone, most people are doing lately. It's a side mm-hmm. hustling. You had yeah. the corporate job. You were doing things on the side. You took a leap of faith by packing up from Florida and, and coming to New York, you, you started working in retail and then you found, uh, you find, you found work in performing, which was then aligning you to, to really have this company move forward. So there's a lot of things that you had to do in those six years, but the things that spoke to me, you had the fire in your belly and you took a leap yep. of faith, but you also understood that security you know, while it's this human thing that we crave the security of, like, you want to make sure there's a bill to be mm-hmm. paid, you <laughs> said, you know what, I, my desire is stronger than this feel of security. And, yeah. I, and, and that's, a, that's a, a mindset that a lot of us as sidepreneurs or solopreneurs, I think for myself including, this, this thing of security that we had to have some idea of how we were going to take care of ourselves before making that leap so I'm re- mm-hmm. I, I love this story and I you know once we finish recording this podcast we're going to talk more about it because it's so <laughs> exciting like picking up and just you know new frontier drive to New York and start a production company yeah it's, yep, it's, it's yep, very yep. inspiring um what was what's one thing you wish you knew before you started brought up production 
Um, <laughs> I wish I had a manual for this. Um, gosh, the one thing I think I knew before I started, I think that would have to be how challenging it is. I don't want to say difficult. How challenging it is to lead and to work with human beings in general. I mean, we are, we are, we are, we can be sometimes the most challenging thing that exists in an organization aside from, and, and, and I'm talking from an, an entrepreneurial standpoint, aside from the lack, lack of money, you know, mm-hmm. and the lack of support sometimes when you're starting out, but sometimes we can be the roadblock that, that stops the organization from growing. I mean, I, I, I wish I knew about just managing and managing people really before all of this, I, I embarked on this because as I said, prior to this, I had no prior experience, you know, with, with managing anything at all, you know, and I was just thrown into, especially with the folk singers, aside from the theater workshop, you know, we, we, we audition a, a troop of, of, of actors and we work together for six to eight weeks and we mount a show and then we, we may never see each other again. You know, same thing for the education outreach, but for the folk singers in particular, we're working with the same core of singers and musicians all year, two days a right. week, you know, two to three hours worth of rehearsals. And that's a lot of time to be in each other's face and you really get to know people and you butt heads and I mm-hmm. wished I I I I wish I knew before I embarked on this how challenging that would be dealing with all these multiple personalities. Um I remember when I just started theater one of my first directors uh said that you know he doesn't deal with personalities and people and I understand his approach. I understand where he was coming from because basically he's saying he's here to do the work, so don't bring your attitudes and so on to the table. But unfortunately, when you're working in a collaborative process, you know, like mm-hmm. the folk singers, like a singing group, you do have to deal with the personalities and the people because everybody mm-hmm. almost requires their own unique attention. And as a director, as a leader, you have to know each of these people and know how to respond to them because the broad brush, brush approach just does not work. It does not work. No, right. it doesn't. You need you need that that attentiveness to deal individually with each person and get the best out of them. And I want to tell you, in my experiences as a manager, I remember reading an article that says fear does not mean equal because um, when you're treating someone fairly it doesn't mean that you treat each person the same. You have no. to treat each Mm-mm. person within their context. So I completely understand Absolutely. where you're coming from because human resources, managing, there's going to always be a level of conflict. You're attending to people's needs. And, you know, I, I, I can understand being an entrepreneur thrust into managing people and the, the, the complexities of human interaction in a workplace is, is challenging. Mm-hmm. So I'm yep. really glad that you've, you've pointed that out, leadership and people skills, not only to network with people, but to work with your team, whether you're paying someone, you still need to have some skills as it pertains to that. I'm telling you, full of nuggets and great, great information here. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm so glad that you brought that up. Now, 
in your written interview, you said that persistence and humility were your success habits. So tell me a habit that you wish you had that would make you more, um, help you in terms of success. Like you don't have that habit yet. Uh, I got it. I got it. I think, <laughs> and, and my myself and I, myself and my artistic director talk about this often. Um, although I am the head of an organization, at heart I am an artist. So I'm mm-hmm. normally the singer, the actor, the performer mm-hmm. on stage. And now my my management management skills are being called into 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 play. And mm-hmm. I wish I was more of the networking type. Uh-huh. I much prefer to produce the show. I want to be the creative voice, the creative eye and ear behind the product. I am mm-hmm. not the person that will do the schmoozing and rubbing shoulders and putting on the suit and right. tie and drinking wine and eating crackers and cheese. That's just not my thing. Not not that it's not a strong point. Not that I feel uncomfortable or inadequate doing it, but it just doesn't come naturally. And Carla and myself always say, gosh, we wish we had somebody on the team who was that person, who would person. go to the galas, who would be, you know, who would not be afraid and not be not shy away from just doing all these networking things that will really help to, to take the company to the next level. So, yeah, I think without a doubt that if I, if I were to ask for something would be the one talent that I'd want to have. I, I I I hear you. Sometimes I can be. It depends on the circumstance. I could be a social butterfly at times, and other times I just clam up. So I mm-hmm. I I get I get where you're coming from. So we're gonna get into some fun questions. What superpower do you wish um you had, and why? Read minds. Ah. I want to read minds. That would want that would be the superpower I'd want to have because again that would just help me with pe- managing people people skills. That would just help me with my, my people management skills. Um, <laughs> if I could read minds, you know, Brata is a non-profit and w- part of our, our thing is grant writing because that's how we mm-hmm. get money to fund our programs and currently we're mm-hmm. really underfunded. We're not getting as much funding as we could um, and we've been submitting grants but just not hitting the right markers and the grant writing process is such a shot in the dark often because, again, you're dealing with people and personalities that are sitting on a panel that don't know and don't understand the work you're doing. And sometimes because you have a working knowledge of what you do, you articulate mm-hmm. it in a particular way, but it doesn't necessarily communi- communicate Com- to those persons okay. that don't understand the language and the terminologies. Which, so okay. I just wish I could read minds to see what yeah. these folks <laughs> You know what it is, what they're looking for. So I write a perfect proposal, you know, so that wow. we can get some money going. So yeah, man, I think that mind reading thing would be. And that if I could read minds, hey, I probably would win the lotto, you know. So that would take <laughs> care of me having to write all these grants. Uh yes, <laughs> superpowers are awesome, right? Yes, all yes. Right. If only, if only. Yes, if only. <laughs> all right, so let's wrap up. Um, what's next for you and Brata Productions? What are you looking forward to? What are you excited about? Or what's your next big project? Ah, uh, Lord. Well, in, immediately on the horizon, we have a production called The Black That I Am, uh, which mm-hmm. is a, a play, a dramatic production, um, which which speaks about uh, blackness, but from a Caribbean standpoint. So it's really a meditation on blackness 
for Caribbean people, because oh. quite often we hear the African-American story and the African-American struggle, but there is so much more that exists um, that we hear a little bit of, little about, and, and, and some of that is, is the Caribbean struggle, you know, as Caribbean people leaving Jamaica and other yeah. islands mm-hmm. in the Caribbean and coming to North America and just having a different and just some a unique set of challenges. I mean, if you think right. of our, our kids in the schools, they have, they're teased about their accents. You know, people right. not being able to understand them and speak properly. And even as, as an adult, when I find myself, right. I speak standard Jamaican English, and I'm com- comfortable with that. I don't think I need the twang for anybody to understand me. But quite often, I'm talking to Americans, and is that Jews for them understand me? Because it's like I'm speaking a completely different language. And I'm I looking know. at them like really people i'm speaking standard english if you know anything about the queen's english you would understand me um, yes yes so that's what yes. this this production you know kind of kind of assesses and takes a look at at blackness from from various standpoints you know religion sexuality you know the the, the browning thing you know with the, with the, with the right. whole scourge of bleaching that we have in jamaica so really an assessment of blackness from a Caribbean standpoint. So that's going to be 12 shows we're playing in Queens and Manhattan. Um, so that's the next immediate project. What Go what ahead. dates were those shows? Uh, the are, show, it's going to open in in Queens on the 25th and will play for six shows Wednesday through Sunday. Uh, so it ends on March 1st in Queens and then moves to Manhattan the following week. Uh, okay. From the third until the eighth, and same it will be the same playing schedule Monday through sorry Wednesday through Sunday. So it will be a total of twelve shows, Queens and Manhattan. All right. So off the air, we'll talk about um, more information about the show, and um, mm-hmm. we could help circulate that. I have a large Caribbean American audience that would love to know more about this because there's a lot of things that affect us and culturally how um, we perceive certain things or issues, and you know, it's it, it, I, so I, I imagine this would be something very interesting and oh, it yeah, yeah, resonate I- with all of us. Certainly, yeah. It goes it goes beyond just being Jamaican. Caribbean folks right. in general are, are really going to be able to identify with this. And I with think it. we're trying to reach also a crossover audience, so we're hoping for African-Americans to come and see it, you know, folks that are not black to come and see right. it, you yeah. know, because yeah. they'll get a window into some of what we're going through, you know, Is and hear own? our side of the story, essentially, and hopefully that will enlighten and, you know, right. start some conversation, you know, that would and be the point, a conversation at the water cooler. So I really like the timing of it, but, you know, mm-hmm. we're Black 365, and so going out to support the show. So yeah. any yeah. final word to our community of friends? Um, I think, I think I guess, continuing on where I, where I hope to see Brata after, after six years, we've, we've broken the cameras back, we've made some inroads, and we're we're starting to become a, a noticeable brand in certain circles. I just hope for the arts and the cultural arts in particular that we will start getting some more acknowledgement. I mean, it's it's just been a, an uphill battle, and it and it's not been just a battle for me and Brata, but this has been going on for years. You know, mm-hmm. we think of someone like. Uh, Miss Lou, Dr. the Honorable Louise Bennett Coverley, who did yeah. 
so much work, Bennett Kuvali, who did so much work um, over all those years in culture, and at the end of her life, really, I think, didn't get the sort of acknowledgement that she truly deserved, you know, from mm-hmm. Jamaicans. And now in the in the 21st century, we're struggling with even more, you know, challenges because now we have the advent of cable and, and Facebook and YouTube mm-hmm. and Twitter. Right. And, and pop culture is really taking over. And mm-hmm. so culture, Jamaican culture, the, what what I consider to, to be distinct traditional culture, like our folk culture, because some will argue that reggae and dancehall are part of our cultures. Yes, they are, but they're part of our contemporary culture. What I'm referring culture. to is, you know, stuff in the past, where we're coming yes. from. You know, right. they, it's, it's really being pushed to the back of the burner. So it's just my hope that folks will give that side of our culture more of a chance, because in looking back, that will inform a lot of what's going on now, and it will inform what could happen in the future because everything just goes in cycle. So, um, so I'd, I'd hope in the next, in the coming, in the next five, six years, that Brata will 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 be really the standard bearer for culture here here in the diaspora, not just in New York, right across across the tri-state area, and we'll become a household name and and really be waving that banner high and getting some respect for theater, you know, as well and all the other performing arts. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. Andrew Clark of Brata Productions. Thanks for listening. Okay, friends, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Carry On Friends podcast. For a recap of this episode and other great articles, please visit the blog at www.carryonfriends.com. That's C-A-R-R-Y-O-N-F-R-I-E-N-D-S.com. You've been listening to Carry On Friends, a show about the Caribbean American experience, produced by Breadfruit Media. We post a new episode every two weeks on Tuesday. And if you're looking to learn more, buy our merch, or sign up for a newsletter, check out carryonfriends.com. Or find us on all social media platforms at Carry On Friends.